Yo, 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 it's CJ the Day Slave from the Upgrade America Podcast. Like, share, subscribe. Glad you can join us. Thank you for the support. Shout out to all our new international upgraders. Really appreciate you. I think it's Chechnya, Greece, and India. Hope I said that right. Um, Yeah, we're talking about zombie COVID minks. We're talking about hazard pay for essential workers and working from home forever. We're also talking about terrorism, uh, assassination in Iran, just a couple of other hot topics. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Be grateful. Be blessed. And upgrade America. Peace. But yo, we rolling over here. What's up, Will? You already know. It's Cameron Ra, former 2020 independent presidential candidate, as well as host and executive producer of Upgrade America. You know, please be joined with best co-host ever, CJ Slayer. Glad to have you over there down in Orlando, bro. What's happening? Well, we we good, man. Turkey Day weekend. You right know, man. Been excellent, man. Yeah, we just trying to get back to the show. We know y'all tired of the election shit, so we'll try to keep those to a minimum. Talk about some other interest stories. Yes. Um, Speaking yeah. of uh, the Turkey Day, shout out to uh, Patty Labelle and the Sweet Potato <laughs> Pie Cartel. Like Walmart <laughs> announced that they're selling like thirty six thousand of her world famous pies a day. Damn. Thirty six. 36,000 uh, pies a day and I had one for breakfast and it was it's spectacular so yes I guess you go check that out but we got a lot to discuss as Chris mentioned we're gonna fall back from the whole election and just hammering you with politics touch a little more on some pop culture I had the privilege of seeing the Tyson fight Okay. Hey, that was dope, man. I'm, I, I'm really like, I'm, I'm becoming a fan of exhibition matches. Okay. You know? And the way they put it together was just, it was masterminded. Like, shout out to, to Mike Tyson. I think we're gonna reach out to him in, in, in the future too, man. I would love to work with him. But uh, what, what else we got on the agenda, bro? Uh, we talking about working from home forever. <laughs> we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna talk about a cop getting shot in Jacksonville. Was it a Ooh. just shooting? You know, we're gonna talk about that. Duval, what's up? Yeah, yeah. Um, we talking about the Oregon governor. Uh, want y'all to snitch on each other for not obeying social distancing standards. I heard that was a thing in New York City too. Like, yeah, and then yeah, it was yeah. also in that bill we brought up. What HR six? six. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're going to talk about this vaccines. The vaccines, but what about the side effects? Nobody talking about that. Side effects may include death. Yeah, you know, we're talking about activists in danger. We talked about protests, how this all changes the game now. It's a whole lot different. So uh, we're talking about Big Pharma popping them pills. They getting in trouble. Talking about that. 
uh, share some thoughts on the Obama book tour. I've seen a couple okay. of interviews. I wanted to share some thoughts on that. What I observed from listening to the former president. Um, man, Mink Zombies. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> I told you the Corona thing would come to zombies. Man, who you telling? And the top Iranian nuclear science scientist dead so illegal is assassination right maybe we're gonna talk about that okay um and the last little bit of election news we'll talk about is trump fighting and then trump losing we got both headlines actually what you were uh, showing me earlier this week and then everything else will fill in as we go okay cool 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 um where you want to start off with man yeah, well, as we was clever, man, let me take a look at this, uh, this down here. So working from home and how that's an inequality or a balance inequality in the United States. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll just give my my overview from it. Is, OK, you know, cost of living in the military. We had something called COLA, cost of living allowance, or they would actually pay us, you know, to compensate. For the you know the cost of living and whatever overseas location we're at, but anyways, where I'm going with that is like it costs a little bit more to live in certain towns than it does in others. So remote work is it can allow people to get how do you say large city wages like New York City pays pretty high, New New Jersey pays pretty high, Chicago these places they pay high wages because it costs to reflect the cost of living. But if people living in smaller towns are working remote, they can pay these big corporations. They can afford to pay people to to, to live very comfortably, you know, and maybe even save money too, because what's how do you say? What's average in Chicago might be considered, you know, very, um, very nice. And where were you at? Fraxville? Yeah, Fraxville, you know, PA. That it might be considered very uh, generous in, in Fraxville or, or somewhere else across the nation. So I think it's, it's a really unique opportunity to do that. Because when you think about it, right, people have done it in the past. Mm -hmm. They would like live in a rural part of town, but then they would commute like two hours just to get the bigger city wages. You know, like people living in the Poconos, but working in in Brooklyn. You know, but that that's that's the thing. But me personally, I, I like it. I embrace it, and I implore people who are working remote. You know, leverage this this unique opportunity while we have the chance. Um, I listened to a very interesting podcast about this. I forgot what podcast it is because I would plug it, but um, it got me thinking. That's why I presented this question. So, but how they explained it was really dope. They were saying that working from home. What's up, Sandra? My bad. I forgot to shout you out too. I uh, got these lovely ladies on IG Live. Um, but the, um, I guess you could say the effects of working from home and now this is kind of being the norm because some companies are going to that along with the over uh overhead prices of hiring employees health insurance all that stuff where you said you can live in a rural area say like somewhere in kansas but mm -hmm. you're getting like new york city wages right 
Also, this affects real estate. This helps out small town America, middle town America, because people can stay there now. They can keep their local economy booming and not lose people from commuting yeah. to those big cities because those big cities are so expensive anyway. And they are becoming more empty because of the pandemic, because of the rising costs, because of the restrictions with social distancing and all this stuff. So it's actually gonna, how they put it was, it's gonna spread out the equality and stamp out the inequality with working from home, having that option. I do like that. And when they broke it down like that, I was like, yeah. And then they also talked about a hybrid system where companies would go to as well, where three days out of the week, say you work remote, two days out of the week, you come in. Like okay. kind of like when we went to DeVry, we had the hybrid classes and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of what kids are doing with uh, school. Now, I know there are some school districts where they're doing that that hybrid approach where they, they go to school for like two days and then three days they do it remote. Yeah. So that based on the uh, professor, I think it was a professor or a doctor of mm -hmm. psychology, economics or something like that. He's actually saying it's a great thing. And he said the stigma from working from home is also being like demolished because now it's like almost a necessity, but it also, like you said, saves money for the companies and it gives employees advantages that they didn't have before. But the, the, here's the thing is like, we've already been in this, this pandemic for over six months. So mm -hmm. how do you say the executives, they have the, they have the data on it and the productivity has increased and they're they're noticing that so that's also a benefit but i want to circle back to real estate mm -hmm. and you mentioned how it's changing the real estate game and, and i agree but something i would want to suggest to people who, who own homes who own multiple homes is like or are in the real estate business they should consider renting them because now you have all these people who have been bound to these cities, bound to these cities where you pay a lot for less. And now remote work is freeing that up. So it's like, yo, <laughs> I remember what, paying 1400 bucks, mm -hmm. a dinky little one bedroom. But when you can go to the Poconos, you can get a lake house for that. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, rather than trying to sell it in this, unprecedented market that that we're in I, I would encourage people to rent those homes to remote workers and as you mentioned like it would really stimulate some income in these uh these small towns i guess how i don't know it might be a dumb question or something but how mm -hmm. would it affect like your taxes and all this say you work in here but you're getting paid for here i wonder how all that works Okay, so at the end of the day, it's like typically they mail you your W-2s if they're not like digitally mm -hmm. encoded in, into the system. But it's like you're going to pay double taxes. You're going to pay double taxes. Like I know this because uh, a lot of people who live in New York mm -hmm. and vice versa, like people live in New York and they work in New Jersey or, or they work in, um, you know, vice versa. And you end up paying double taxes to both states. But I mean, at the same time, there's a lot of money to be saved. Get more bang for your buck. So I guess like if you work in Texas, 
Mm-hmm. But you remote from Florida, you're good because they both don't have state taxes. Oh, well then that that was in that case. Like I'm just giving an example. Like I know Texas doesn't have state tax, and then Florida doesn't. So, okay, I could kind of see that. But then again, you're making the income; it wouldn't matter because more than likely where you're living mm-hmm. is going to be lower in cost. I'm assuming for the most part. Oh, I mean, yeah, that would be the the best way to leverage the situation is to go to somewhere where the cost of living is less, you know, and and capitalize off of that. Uh, We got a comment. Miss Sandra, I know someone has been working from home remotely since like March and they love it now. I feel like essential workers should have been and still should be getting hazard pay. Oh uh, yeah, we did express that on I forgot what episode. Didn't we talk about hazard pay? We did, and I agree. I would agree with you if the fatality rate was higher. Okay. But right now it's just like more people are dying from hunger than they are from COVID in America. So it's like, granted, there are millions of people who have contracted disease, but the recovery rate is like ninety nine point nine percent in favor so i i'm really not so much on the uh the hazardous duty pay so much so would you would you dare it oh what's up facebook whoever that was um (laughs) my bad would you narrow it down to say first responders oh absolutely like that's built in now moving forward like hey first responders or maybe maybe trash men for hazardous duty pay, yeah, I could see that for the, they're dealing with hazardous waste, and it's tough because it, you gotta you gotta remember like who's out there out there. Like I, I'm starting to think like I get what you're saying, but I don't see this necessarily going away within at least remnants of it for at least another couple years. I can see that. So that's what I'm thinking too. Like, is this gonna be built in some of the certain positions? Like, yo, you get hazardous pay because of the risk you take. Mm-hmm. Like bus drivers, train operators. Granted, I, I know that. technology can eventually is gonna replace those positions probably, but until, until then, then. Yes, I, I would I would agree with that. But it's like <sighs> there are industries that they can effectively social distance mm-hmm. and in that particular case i wouldn't see a need for hazardous duty pay if you can you can you have to go to work on site but you really don't have to mess with nobody you really don't have to interact engage with uh i i don't see the, see the need for that now who would be paying this this would be the employers because there's also another uh idea of some sort of tax mm-hmm to tax actually i think it was to tax yeah um yeah, uh, oh real quick another comment let's see sandra said she has elderly parents they have immunocompromised um systems okay in their body and she mentioned public transportation workers okay yeah cool i agree with that too all right yeah that's what we were thinking we we're trying to figure out i was like what industries would really need hazardous pay and yeah, definitely those. Yeah, because you deal with all kind of people, so definitely you got more chances of catching something. 
Um, what were you saying, Cam, about the remote worker tax? You were saying something. Well, yeah, so it was like, again, that hazardous duty pay. Mm-hmm. Like, who would be paying it? Would it be the employer? He's like, hey, I'm putting you guys to work, so now I'm gonna, but I'm gonna give you some extra bread because you're putting your life on the line. Or would this would be like, hey, let's levy this uh, tax from the privilege because let's be quite frank, working remote is a privilege. And would it, the tax be coming from people who are working remotely and then distributed to the people who are on the front lines? I'm not too sure, but this is something that lawmakers are gonna have to consider. Yeah, I would say Europe. What's up, Zoe? Um, I would say um, that would make sense. But like we talked about earlier, with those positions being able to be remote, they save money on people coming in. All this, you could subsidize those frontline workers in your company with that hazard of duty pay based on the savings you're getting from the remote workers. Mm. And I'm sure that, like you said, policymakers would have to put in tax incentives for corporations to make it even more appealing. So I think it's a win-win. I think I think it's possible and I think they're going to have to do that. Um, hold on, I got another one. Daisy said, if most parents go to working remotely, how do you think this could impact daycare business? I've been seeing that and daycare has been getting destroyed. Yeah, I was going to say they're getting hit. <laughs> yeah. They get pretty bad too. And it's... um. Again, it sucks. This is this is 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 really a crisis, but it's going to force some innovation. Yeah, like a new way to uh, to do childcare. I don't know. I I, Oof, I don't foresee child. it. But I know a lot of people who are they had to stay at home because of the lack of childcare. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's it's. I guess I would suggest trying to use the most up-to-date CDC guidelines for childcare providers, like temperature screening, um, like a lot of sanitation, mm-hmm. cause you know, it's kids, they play, they touch germs, all that good stuff. They're um, super spreaders. Yeah, uh, even the, the staff workers, making sure they abide by all that. Um, maybe going to 50% capacity, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that so that's a great question daisy um that's the only thing i could think of that would make sense for it to still be able to operate and i don't know if they would charge more of a premium because they would have less occupancy as far as the business providers and that's painful because child care is already so exactly and definitely this next administration that was voted in need to be having plans for this kind of shit um, yeah, didn't we say, um, I do recall in the Upgrade America policy for the future handbook that that should be free, or at least in um, a certain tax bracket, like childcare should definitely be free. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure they can wave their magic wands and, and figure that one out. But yeah, what else we got on this agenda, bro? We got a lot of, a lot of topics. One more comment. Uh, Zoe said, nah, I, I know nothing has changed for my son's daycare. So he has a son in daycare, a toddler. Okay. Just cleaning more stuff like that. So more sanitation, more updated hygiene, stuff like that. So one thing I could say, <laughs> Ronan made everybody cleaner around his business. Well, most people, <laughs> most people, most businesses and stuff. 
Um, that's created another job market. So like anything dealing with sanitation, stuff yeah. like that, that's booming. That business is booming. Oh, Zoe said, Cam, what up? Yo, what up, Zoe? Like Scram, man, how are you? Alright. Um, you wanna get back to this cop getting shot in Jacksonville? You know, Duval represent. Yeah, man, let's um let's let's dig into this real quick. Let's see where this story's coming from. So black woman who shot unannounced cops serving warrants stood her ground, lawyer says. So the case in Jacksonville, Florida was eerily remiss uh pop up kill it was eerily reminiscent of the police shooting that killed Breonna Taylor. So let's get the skinny. A black woman in Florida is fighting to clear her name after she shot a police officer she suspected to be an intruder after he didn't immediately identify himself while serving a warrant at her home. I don't know what to say, like, told you guys to knock that off, but Diamonds Ford was ultimately charged with attempted murder in the September shooting of a Jacksonville Sheriff's Officer SWAT team member. But she and her lawyer claim her 911 call during the incident will prove her innocence and show she did not intend to shoot the police officer. Instead, they argue she was simply standing her ground, which is acceptable under Florida law. Okay. So, just a little bit more. Alright. Uh, uh, uh. Hold on. So... Ford, 28, and her fiance Anthony Gant were sleeping when they were awakened by the sound of glass shattering. Her lawyer, Stephanie Kelly, Stephen Kelly, told News 4. He said she was unaware that the Jackson Sheriff's Office was executing a high-risk well, they keep skipping around. A high-risk search warrant when she shot her gun through a window in uh, reported self-defense and hit an officer. It was only after when JSO identified itself, the 911 call showed. So I guess it's like, that's good that she called 911 during the incident. Yeah. Not had them on the line. And one, it provides a timestamp and it's also rec recording the incident, you know, mm -hmm. as it's unfolding. But yeah, this failure to identify, like that's to be the first thing like what you do before you're making entry because you're declaring, you're identifying yourself as well as your authority, meaning you're right to, to do so. So crime and safety expert Ken Jefferson told News 4 that the 911 call should exonerate Ford. It's clear based on the recording, she just felt like someone was breaking into her house because she heard the glass breaking. Jefferson said she reacted in protecting herself and her property which she is allowed to do by law. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't get it. It's like, you could knock, you could make an appointment, you could ask nicely, like, you don't have to come in the middle of the night breaking stuff and um, unannounced for that matter. But what are your thoughts on the incident? What's up, Karen? Uh, saying hi to everybody. Um, You brought this up, actually, throughout the Breonna Taylor and all these incidents, mm -hmm. you brought this up. I think the woman in uh, Dallas who got shot at home, 
um, the black woman in Dallas that got shot at home, that this is the next level of what could happen if police keep abusing their powers and not following protocol, is that you can wind up in a situation where this woman clearly was standing her ground, she was well within her rights, and she defended her home. So, I mean, it's the open and shut case for me. How that would play out legally, who knows? I mean, we're in Sunshine State, Gunshine State, so we are. You know, it should play out in her favor because we are the Gunshine State. I am not sure, um, but I have no problem with it. You come, you know, my people know. Like, yo, let me know you coming through, unless it's like an emergency. Like, let me know, cause I'm always, you know, on standby. So, always ready, always vigilant. I yeah, yeah, you know, got an EAL out here. You know, I'm gonna that with this. <laughs> so, that defender, that defender, defender jokes for you right there. Yeah, I, you know. So I'm just saying, if you ain't on that EAL, hey, <laughs> there it is. Um, we'll follow this case. I'm really curious to see how it plays out. Um, I hopefully they get justice and that's your second amendment rights and that's why everybody should know their use their second amendment rights no matter what state you're in absolutely i don't care if you're single mom single dad have your stuff on deck like everybody elderly whatever you are capable of using have that it's an equalizer and self yes. but it's like that's again that there's for me the scariest thing is the violation of the Fourth Amendment rights, yeah. like this, this blatant breach of private property, you know, with no warning and no announcements and things of that nature. It's like, what is worth? What evidence is is worth this? To like, I don't know how about in Afghanistan, but in, in Iraq, one of the, the last thing you want to do is making entry into someone's home like because it's it's you're going through fatal funnels it's deadly like yeah so i'm I'm just curious like what evidence is worth this at american soil that you know people can just run up in there and in the case of brianna taylor it was null it had nothing and it resulted in the loss of life like i think we really need to revise how that is if it's not hey we're rescuing a bunch of children if it's not hey they got a bunch of like plutonium and stuff in there like it's not worth it in, in my opinion so what do i know and let's be honest that officer is very fortunate that he lived like mm. what if killed what if she killed him that's a whole nother case we're not even talking mm-hmm. about that like but it would have been justified Especially if the 911 plays out enough where it's like mm-hmm. no reasonable doubt, like, well, she was defending her home. This is what it is. You are in the wrong as a police You know officer. what it comes down to it, though. You know what it comes down to it, though. What? It's the battle of legal defense. Mm-hmm. So it's like if that, because you already see back to blue, back to blue, no matter who, no matter what. But it's like if their legal defense is just which I'm sure they they, they, they got uh, teams of lawyers. Mm-hmm. And if it's, hers is not up to par, then they could, it may not end well. But yes. at the same time, who, who could say that? That 911 call should be very uh, critical. 
And that's another thing people should remember if you are involved in something I've been learning. You are involved in a incident, a shooting incident. Mm-hmm. That's one of the first things you do is call 911 and call the ambulance. Like, go ahead and get that most. You should do that. Get that rolling so it protects you and gets the case rolling, um, gets the record, public record going. Okay. So people can't make up the narrative once they get it because you know. Like, you got to think, police, DA, they're going to do their best to prosecute. That's their job. You know, they're trying to throw people in jail, whatever the case might be. So that's your best defense is already have your case built as well in the process. Okay. So that's something I've been learning. I've been doing more research, learning about all that as well as a private citizen. But and for I her to contact nine one one and still engage it's pretty admirable like um yeah yeah it's um all right to me i think she, again it's hindsight monday morning quarterback but it's like it, to me it seems she followed protocol yeah so i guess enough on that let's talk about these vaccine side effects <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about that man because there's a thing you and i have been guinea pigs for quite a few uh how you say vaccinated vaccination cocktails yeah how about that anthrax shout out do you know what i mean um smallpox almost killed me but you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger yeah, i got my scar right here smallpox. yeah i got mine too man it looks like a bullet wound yeah um <laughs> let's see doctors say cdc should warn people of the side effects from covid vaccine shots shots won't be a walk in the park. And this is coming from CNBC, a recent article. Um, and it's looking like you get more than one shot too. So they didn't tell you that either. Hmm. Yeah, now hold on. Now, is this a, uh, because my understanding there are some that have two needles. Like it's like one vaccine, but with two or sometimes three. Yeah, so if you don't like shots, <laughs> uh, needles. Yeah, not a fan. Yeah. I'm a little um, tattoos, but I do not like vaccines. So I read from this part of the article because you was bringing about the, about the side effects and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pfizer and Moderna, those pharmaceutical companies, require two doses. She says she worked, uh, Dr. Sandra Freihofer mm-hmm. says she worries that patients will come back for the second dose because of potentially unpleasant side effects after the first shot uh whether they were oh okay so she's saying after they take the first shot she may not come back because of the second shot um yeah so no i don't want it what up mike um bama um what is so bad about the first did they listen to the side effects that was so uh so bad um muscle pain chills headache it's kind of like flu side effects honestly Mm -hmm. let me see um i'm trying to see if there's any more really bad ones and it really is going to depend on what you got going on underlying health conditions as well so you got to take that in consideration if you got say i don't know uh sickle cell or something but you got to take the covid vaccine how is that going to interact with your sickle cell just for example, like, have they gotten that far into what people 
have to worry about their other ailments they have to consider. that's why I'm, I'm i'm very nervous about the um hr quadruple six and them going to uh, door to door and uh, <laughs> you know using force for for vaccines because let's be real are they really going to dig into your health records and see your underlining no it's just like yo take that take that okay you asked for some symptoms so high fever body aches bad headaches day-long exhaustion other symptoms receiving a shot so this is from the moderna and the pfizer uh vaccines Mm -hmm. so far from the trials uh, that's what the participants said that took the uh, vaccines, the trial vaccines. Also, oh yeah, I think I mentioned that already. Chills, muscle pain, headache, um, migraine. Uh, let's see, let's see. Yeah, the lady, one lady said toughen up, I guess. A North Carolina woman in the study said toughen up. She's in her 50s. She said the first one sucked she said you're gonna have to take a day off after the second dose no she said i'm sorry she said the first dose is no big deal the second dose is the the head haymaker you know what i'm saying knock you out on that one oh the second one is yeah so it's like do you recall in in all of our 800 shots (laughs) (laughs) some of them had you had to take more than one I don't really ever recall anything that bad, but it's just like. Uh, I remember the anthrax one. I did not feel good after that one. I didn't like that, but I didn't have to take off work from that. But then granted, security forces, they say life, limb, or eyesight. This <laughs> is the only way <laughs> getting off work. You know, but um, still, this sounds something like something pretty nasty, man. And the flu vaccines, have, I've had a negative reaction to that. Yeah. It was like, I don't know. It, it, this doesn't sound very appealing. What What would be a, what would you advise up, our upgraders to consider for the COVID vaccine? How many years? should they wait or should they just you know jump in and see what happens um the thing is again and i'm no expert i'm just a madman on the internet but just going with the data it's like 20 million americans have already contracted it just and then you gotta really think it's just to me it doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. like all this excitement all this panic over something that most people are recovering from and it's like bottom line is you're most likely going to get it or you've already had it so if their metrics are saying that it's 20 million americans have have already contracted it think about the people who like myself don't want to get poked in the brain to take their silly tests or the people who cannot or who are ineligible who can't get tested Mm-hmm. that drives those numbers up even more so I, I would dare say like maybe let's say right now 35 million people have it but people aren't the dead are not piling up in the streets so it doesn't seem that bad I think it's really going to be like the flu everyone is just going to get it eventually eat your fruits, boost your immune system what have you but at the same time I, I don't know because if it's some weaponized 
you know, CRISPR yeah. and weird thing, then I don't know. So it's like I hear I got I got buddies and associates on both sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got friends are saying like they believe it's a hoax and they don't wear masks and they don't social distance. And then you got you got other people who are like really, really drinking the Kool-Aid and are, are, are counting down the days for the vaccine. I'm a little bit in between. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've been not so, I don't want to say antisocial, but social distance before COVID. You know what I mean? So that's remained constant, but at the same time, I don't, I don't know. So as far as what I would tell, tell the people, <sighs> don't be the guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> Like um, the same PlayStation Five, you don't want to, you don't wanna wait in line for this. Let them get the bugs out. Um, we got Mike off of IG says the vaccine is a trap mark of the beast. That's his belief. Um, and I would really want to dedicate an entire episode to that. He says his name is Mike. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, because it's like it really blows my mind that you know the Bible written over two thousand years could predict cashless payments a how you see what what would you consider that bio um bio not bioengineer but biotechnology it's it's the mark of beast it's like something that's on it's a mark on your left hand or on your forehead that would be used for cashless payments oh you're talking about like the Barcode shit? What is that shit called? They didn't specifically say barcodes, but they said it's uh, this would be used for making all sales and stuff like that. And this is written in the Bible like millennia, over two millennia ago. And I find that mind-blowing. But could this be that? Who could say? As CJ, the great CJ said, could this just be blueprinted from um, from the Bible? The same. You sounded like a playbook. <laughs> but it's still... But it's still when you're really thinking about they were cutting pieces of gold and stuff back then that they conceptualized someone wrote and conceptualized that it's mind-blowing to me at least i will say this to all our upgraders internationally and domestically you got to follow what your local laws and your country laws tell you first yeah don't get caught up second testing has gotten more advanced for covid based on what i've been seeing they gotten down. I think the quickest I've seen is like either instant or like 15 minute tests where you can know if you have COVID. Now, how affordable that is, is a whole different story. But knowing that they have that fast of testing and not as invasive. Is I, don't a good the, I don't want speed, I want accuracy. Because I know several yeah. people who have tested positive and then immediately afterwards they tested negative. Yes. And I don't. Th- Particularly when you you got people, these medical industries who prey on on people who are like, oh, well, let me sell you this drug. Let me sell you that drug. Oh, you got COVID? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to take all your money, you know, for something you don't even have. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. It, it seems like 9-11 made, shook my faith in government. <laughs> and it seems like COVID-19... Is shaking my faith in the the medical healthcare industry, but that's interesting. Hold on, you brought up something very interesting. Okay. 9/11 shook your faith in government, right? 
So would you say uh, Homeland Security shook your faith in that? Um, didn't Homeland Security emerge after? No, no, I'm saying like just as a concept. I'm not talking about the department. Um, not like Homeland Security, like, oh, we were vulnerable, we got hit. Because you already know we share our uh, alternate theories on, on what occurred in mm -hmm. a side job. But like, <laughs> it shook my, you know, coming up as a kid, you read all the stories, all of these just wars in the picture of America. Like, and then just going down the rabbit hole in 9-11, that's what shook my, 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 my perspective of government. Like, yo, governments can do bad things to their own citizens. That, that's what uh, I, I would say. Okay, so then another flashpoint, right? And mm -hmm. you got to think, this has all happened within our generation, too. Yes, it has. The financial meltdown in 08, right? So you got that. And now you got COVID in 2020. So I'm like, yo, we got hit financially, what, domestic defense, and now healthcare. Think about that for a second. It really is. It's, it's like on multiple uh, multiple fronts. And they're so, like, everyone's going to remember how they spent months of quarantine. You know, mm -hmm. it's a pivotal moment in American history. And it's shifting policy. It's shifting the economy like this is huge but at the same time just like 9-11 opened a huge can of worms like i dare say this is going to open a, a, a den of vipers that uh, <laughs> it's, it's going to be something that a lot to deal with like we are on the brink of dissolving private health yeah that's coming like, let that marinate hipaa and all these protections when you're getting to the point where employers, like uh, as I mentioned, my buddy was saying the government doesn't have to force you to get the vaccine. You know, here's the thing, economy shut down, right? People wanna, and it, it's, it's opening up, but you know, they could easily crank that, that pull that handle and shut it back down. People mm -hmm. out of the job, right? So you would have a lot of, and unemployment benefits are getting ready to cut off too. But you know, people are out of job and they wanna get back to work. But if employers are saying, before you, you can only come back to work or take this job if you, you're taking this, I might say, uh, the mark of the beast, the, the, the three-pronged needle and, and, and all that, you know? And private industry could set those standards and government wouldn't even have to enforce it. That's true. But... Um... All right, so let's talk about this a little more of a somber news, but we got to make this point, and this is something we've been talking about. It's been a running theme. Breonna Taylor, protest leader, is killed in a Louisville shooting. Mm. And it's, was it Hamza Travis Nagadi? I think I said his name right. Um, leading figure in the movement against racial injustice in Louisville, Kentucky, has been fatally shot. And yo, he was getting this whole movement beyond beyond the Taylor is getting a lot of movement, a lot of traction, and um, things have been. It's been very uncomfortable for uh, how do you say for the Justice Department in Kentucky because of this. So <laughs> I am not surprised by a reprisal, but are they? Did they say 
this is they believe it's related or is it I'm looking now they have no leads right now but <sighs> here's the point of frustration wow hold on hold on I want to I want to say this real quick Okay. Violent crime in the city has been on the rise. Okay. And uh, Nagdi's killing was the 145th homicide committed in Louisville this year. 145 in Louisville? I did. I didn't know that it was a. Uh, that's that's a lot of homicides, man. Yeah. Um, no. I'm oh. Sorry, you're saying? So I guess the reported possibility of what happened was he got killed during the carjacking shortly after midnight mm. so that's what they're saying but they don't have any lead suspects anything like that but again if you're gonna do a hit you're gonna make it look like a robbery of some sort but like i don't know i don't know it's it's the frustration of this is the thing i've been thinking about right all this stuff is is equality justice and fairness right mm -hmm. human rights issues right if you really take out black lives matter just say human rights issues what is america's problem with fixing these issues it's why can't we just already have corrected this already this is something I've been thinking about. The thing is, it's like <laughs> there's a lot of actions that should have been done immediately after slavery. Like reparations for one of them and, and totally like it's like uh, the whole notion of what America is built upon is just like it just its foundation was built on shit. And then it just rolled over more and it's like instead of fixing the foundation it just caked up more and more crap and more crap and then here we are you know and why they're not going to fix it because it's like you would have to fix it from the root the the root of the the institution is just it's corrupted it's rotted <laughs> like we built on that and so it's like rather than give the people the simple demands as you mentioned of human rights they'd rather rain down more oppression and, and like i don't know what's the end game for that i don't know but that's just an observation you know another interesting thing i was thinking about this right so mm -hmm. white supremacists they're only a minority of white people okay but they seem to be the majority of who makes these decisions, yet the majority of other white people that aren't white supremacists don't kick these white supremacists out of power. So here's what here's what my understanding is like about psychopaths. They make up 1% of the nation, mm -hmm. but they happen to find themselves in the top positions of power. Mm -hmm. Like psychopaths are a lot of them in the military, and but they allow them to make rank in, in the military, but they also become CEOs. They also become world leaders. And when you really think of the notion to it, like you kind of have to when you're playing games of life and death, you know, with, with resources and stuff. But 
to circle back to where you're saying with white supremacists and stuff like that in power it only makes sense like like these racist crazy whatever mm-hmm. or if they would i could totally see them gravitating to those positions of power mm-hmm. and 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 putting their their roots in why it hasn't why haven't like the the just white people come up and and, and purge them out of office because it's like you gotta be remember what we said about the election may the most wickedest man win man or woman win you know it's not it's not a a place for you know for the righteous for for you know the, the people because if that were the case we would have politicians who really represent the people and we don't <laughs> it's all personal interests. It's, it's all things of secret societies and and, and you know promises made behind closed doors like or that's only speculation i suppose i don't know i just think about all this like it was swirling in my head like i'm like for us to even have a black lives matter mm-hmm. is puzzling like if you really sit down and think about it why are you top that? Of that, um well because we're americans life mm-hmm. was it life liberty pursuit of happiness like mm-hmm. we're guaranteed those we're supposed to have those so i'm sitting here thinking like okay and then if the people that do say black lives matter that are not part of that psychopath uh white supremacist minority who wield the power and then and the people who are the majority that are not racist in ideology and action don't overthrow them how can you truly say you're for black lives matter well there's a lot of confusion man <laughs> I'm just thinking about this. Like. People are far too distracted. They got sports back, man. People are far too distracted to overthrow. You know what was what's going on. It's like, and to some extent, it's like we're given enough to where we're content. You know, and people don't want to break the status quo. But again, it's it's unfortunate. It's also a. a, a if you're a political activist, you need to move like you're the Pope. You need to move like you're the president and really upgrade your security. Because like right now in these times of social unrest and because it seems to be constant, you know, it's um, political activists have power. And we already seen what's happening. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse made bail, $2 million. He posted yeah. bail. A lot of celebrities, some celebrities pitched in that to help make that happen. But it's like, the protest <laughs> i don't want to say the protest field is the battlefield but like that it's like that now and um if you're yeah. leaving that again when i said that a the whole movements need to be decentralized because they think they can whack the leaders and then just crumble the whole operation mm-hmm. if everyone is a leader if everyone had can do many protests and do you know do your thing then they cannot shut it down they cannot take it offline we gave a, what, a blueprint a few episodes back, which I think is time to enact that. No doubt. no doubt. That was pop-up protests, random times, high visibility, small groups. And you know, um, I, I witnessed that, not unless I wouldn't call it a pop-up protest, but prior to the election, 
Mm-hmm. You know, you, you see people. I saw a guy, he had his car, his his pickup truck, but he had all the Trump flags. I seen every type of American flag you could dream of. And he's hanging, but I was like, he was just parked somewhere where a lot of pedestrian and vehicle traffic, but that alone was effective. And you know, this is, you don't have to have a million men. It is a, a, a excellent show of force. It really is. But anytime you have that, that that's a soft target. Even though you, you, you know, it, it's a soft target. You can be infiltrated, you can be targeted. It can be spun into a riot. Like there's a million reasons why you, you shouldn't take that, that approach. But again, it's 2020. Everything changes. The game's changing. We evolve. We move forward. But what else is on this list? Uh, let's talk about Iran, man. They've been in the news a lot this year. So. Yeah, yeah, no, they set the year off, really, when you think about it. So, uh, Iran top nuclear scientist is dead. Now, there's an article that I read where they said he was assassinated. So, Mohsen Fakarazadeh, I and I, I, I butchered that. My Farsi is awful. So Iran's top nuclear scientist assassinated near Tehran. So Iran's most senior nuclear scientist, let's call him MF for now, has been assassinated near capital of Tehran, the country's defense ministry has confirmed. So he died in the hospital after an attack in Asbard in Davand County. Iran's foreign minister, Mohammad Zavad Zarif, has condemned the killing as an act of state terror. So Western intelligence believes that MF was behind a covert Iranian nuclear weapons program. If Iran ever chose to weaponize enrichment, MF would be known as the father of the Iranian bomb. One Western diplomat told Reuters news agency in 2014. So, okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning more towards so Iran they want the bomb we get it I get it I don't blame you you know you, it's uh everyone else has nukes so you, you might as well have have your own too but it's like I, I want to say transparency would be the best because it's so hypocritical of America to say no nukes, no new nukes, no one else can have nukes. But we have like stockpiles of them. But I think it's like if Iran were transparent about it, be like, yo, this is what we're doing. Like, we're gonna do it anyways. If they're transparent about it, that, that would be better. But who do you think would be intervening in, in, in whacking this guy? I hear Israel. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to. You took the words out of mouth. Um, <laughs> we don't know. This is all speculation because we know how the algorithms and all these new term agreements and conditions with YouTube and all these pair uh, platforms. So we would speculate or make a guess that Israel could be behind this could be teamed up with the US, could be teamed up with other allies. Um, because who, Israel did target uh, Iranians. It was a cyber attack that they did. It was a subtle cyber attack in their nuclear um, 
vicinity where it was just like tinkering. I forgot the name of the op, but they were like tinkering with their equipment like remotely and it messed some stuff up. But like, is that Iran's biggest enemy? I forgot because we, we went over an episode about this too. Because it's around the time of uh, Lebanon. Because they border Iraq to what? To the to the west? Yeah, they're, they're western border. Oh, let me see. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to let's see. But I'm curious okay. what intel they may have. Or what okay, so they have. I read off the quick in, uh, enemies yeah. real quick. Well, no, that's allies. Hold on, let's see. Fine. Enemies. Allies. No, that's allies. Uh, looking for enemies. I don't know why that popped up. Allies. Looking for enemies. Um, hold on, real quick. So, yeah. um, is, um, let me see. I still got this article. We'll see what else. Okay. Uh, U.S. Obviously. <laughs> um, Saudi Arabia. Um, oh, never mind. So Saudi Arabia. Somebody. This is off a of message board. So just I'm just looking for something real quick. But this person seems kind of credible. Okay. So they said Saudi Arabia is like the main enemy. Um, U.S. not so much, like people believe or not. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Israel. <laughs> so um, Iraq, UAE, Egypt, and most of North Africa. So they like they got a lot of enemies. Yeah. This is a little bit on how the attack happened. So in a statement on Friday, Iran's defense minister said armed terrorists targeted a vehicle carrying MF head of the ministry's research and innovation organization. After a clash between the terrorists and his bodyguards, MF was severely injured and rushed to the hospital. Unfortunately, the medical team's efforts to save him were unsuccessful, and minutes ago he passed away. So yeah, so they pretty much like hit him in his car. But, um, it's crazy. This is what I want to tell people in the U.S. Geopolitics geopolitics does affect us people don't realize the impacts and ramifications of when something happens over there there's a ripple effect to us somehow you just don't know how but i strongly suggest people go look at the caspian report on youtube very informative very short clips it's very good on geopolitics you watch a few of those episodes shout out to lupe fiasco he's the one that put me on that um if you watch a few of those, you will understand how we're all tied together. Globally, we might be big, but we're small as a community as far as humans. We're smaller than you think. Um, another thing I want to say, I've been trumpeting like, yo, Iran should have been our ally for the longest. Trade, infrastructure, tourism, we should have been mm-hmm. up to them. China has already done what I suggested the U.S. should have done by using soft power and economic uh, negotiations with action behind it. That's what we should have did with Iran, first of all. Um, Second of all, this is very unfortunate. Um, And as far as the nuke thing, it's almost a point not to even have nukes, nobody. Because if you're not going to allow sovereign nations to manage their country how they see fit, 
nobody should have nukes. And that's kind of where I'm going now at this point. Because how are we going to have like 3,000 nukes, but they can't even have one? And it's like, um, that's a very fair point, and, and I, I, I agree. And it's, but it makes it, it's almost like, you know, the UN's objective to uh, take guns away. <laughs> it's like, don't worry, don't worry, we will keep all the guns, but we're going to take all of yours. You know, and no one else can, no one else in the future can have them. But that's how it seems with how it is with nukes right now. And, um, it's just you yeah you're right the world is smaller it's getting smaller together and what happens on one side of the spear can affect the other but it's just like if there is a global community that's everyone has nukes and i know we had this question again mm -hmm. i think that's just a question before but i gotta ask it again like you think that would have okay I would say it would have some equilibrium, some stability between nation states. Yes. Agree with you on that. But where we're going now, I don't think it's going to... It, eventually, the world is going to be one state. So you're going to nip that in the butt. But where the problem you're going to have is with factions, with militias, and with every state having nukes is not going to stop that because then it's terrorist organizations are going to want going to want their own so there's all these unique new challenges in the future i'm looking at it like okay if i'm just throw out like a number okay if every sovereign nation that obviously has the capabilities of having nuclear weapons because mm -hmm. some nations just don't have the technology or whatever if everybody had like a hundred nukes, how would that play out? Just a hundred has a hundred. I international uh, intercontinental nuclear ballistic missiles, like push the button yeah. and shh. Yeah. It's like But everybody gets rid of their stockpile at the same time, but you are allowed to have a hundred in your stockpile for your country. And I get it because it's like but here's the thing it's got to be i get what you're saying it's so stupid to like for anyone to use it because everyone else has their own and protocol if you're the president and you have incoming nukes you have to fire all yours because when the incoming nuke lands it will destroy your chance of firing any nuclear weapons back so i get what you're saying if everyone had them, it would be asinine to use them. But again, I don't, I, get, I said in the future, near future, near mm -hmm. future, I could totally see peace within nation states as we become more of a global community. The, the concern of it would like terrorist organizations don't care. They don't care about any of that. That I think is the, the concern is a nuclear, a nuclear powered terrorist organization they don't have to negotiate they don't have to play by the rules as of a nation state let's talk about let's explore this one aspect because we brought up terrorism a couple of times what is the purpose what is just the basic purpose of terrorists like what is their goal right let's think about that what's their goal in your opinion well what's it's, you it's um 
I don't want to say it's a, it's a matter of perspective, mm-hmm. or it's I dare say it is regime change. Like let's let's look at let's look at our founding fathers objectively, and you may come to the conclusion that they were terrorists, and the ultimate goal was it resulted in a regime change and independence. And I do want to say that many, not all, but many have political ambitions. For uh, for it, my understanding, um, what is it? Uh, Valuetainment. They just put out a really great interview with Osama bin Laden's niece. They interviewed her for like, you know, for the first time, and she she had some really enlightening things to say. I have to check that out. She's talking about how Islam is not just a religion. There's also a military and political aspect to it. So she's saying it's more of like a what is talking. Not a school of thought, but it was ideology. Like, yeah, I think that's what he called it. He called it an ideology, and I'm like, wow. And it's a. It it was very interesting how she broke that down, but the political aspect that's entwined into religion is me personally is what I would. I don't want to say what makes it dangerous, but it has that has the ability to create radical. But this is my to answer your question. I think it's like just using violence for for political and for political objectives, but also to steer the people a, a certain direction. I don't... I'm starting to look at this a little different. I'm not okay. saying terror terrorism is okay, but this is what I'm going to point out. Could terrorism be basically riots? or civil disobedience on steroids um yeah and that is my concern for black lives matter whether that's their intentions or if saboteurs and other black operatives are trying to steer it that way and yeah because when you're talking about again boston tea party Let's take all this tea and toss it into the harbor because they're they're paying it. And I, from what I heard, the tax wasn't even that bad. They didn't want to pay it. But anyways, that was damaged to private property. You know, it's just as bad as looting the Louis Vuitton store or the or the Target or, or what have you. Simply for, you know, a little mayhem to, you know, to fuel your, your endeavors. But again, I'm not, I'm looking at it objectively. I'm not just do that or that is good. This is just that's how how it seems. Cause I'm I'm just thinking I'm really thinking about this a lot differently. I'm looking mm-hmm. at it like if you would talk to most terrorists, right? Mm-hmm. Give the Middle East for example. Couldn't they have just cause to be terrorists? Based Again, it's a matter on- of perspective. Yeah, yeah. I'm I know just, you're uh, how you live long and prosperous type uh-huh. of thing. But if you look at Star Wars, like mm-hmm. the good guys, the here they're terrorists. The rebels, like they're going around fighting the galactic government and blowing their shit up. Like that is the the core of terrorism. But they believe they view themselves as rebels and as freedom fighters. So. Mm-hmm. It's it's a matter of perspective. Like you you look at Afghanistan, you look at Iraq. Like let's let's flip the script. Okay. 
invading Russia and China joined forces and they they take say they did successfully occupy America. You know what I'm saying? Every veteran is going to use every weapon at their disposal to give them hell in a relentless insurgency as we should but it's yeah I get what you're saying from their perspective it's their homeland they're fighting for it and it's um the world is gray and messy i'm just looking at it from the other standpoint that if you really break it down also besides the religious ideologies and all that attached and the zealots and all that like minus that part if you really break down terrorism it's basically protesting amped up because their grievances wasn't weren't heard in the first place and it, their grievances are usually what we were talking about earlier human, basic rights. human rights right okay so and i get that but it's like that that's kind of how i'm looking at it a lot differently like i'm breaking this down like because if you really break down the stats in the u.s Granted, we don't know all the terrorist acts that have been stopped, per se, mm -hmm. but we don't have many terrorist acts from outside foreigners or whatever. All our shit is domestic. You're saying we deal with more domestic terrorists than, yes. than abroad. And yeah, I could agree with you on that. I could agree with you on that. But the thing is, like, when they are hitting soft targets, mm -hmm like you lose whatever you're fighting for you lose like say it's just like i don't know someone like wears a suicide vest and they blow themselves up in the name of some sort of injustice like when you're hurting innocent people because of another you're just as bad so it's like I I I know I, I I won't support that. Now I'm saying, okay, I'm not like disagreeing. Hard targets, hard targets, and counterinsurgency. Uh -huh. but I'm sure, but uh, the whole notion of uh, of soft targets, nah. But hold up, yeah, I guess so. What gets more results and what gets more going is a soft target. We know this. Hitting a hard target. Um, Come on. Think about it. Like you hit soft targets, like we holiday season, right? Suicide bombers synchronized, and all this is scenarios, hypothetical. Y'all don't freak out. We're just doing <laughs> thought exercise. I'm putting that shit out there because we know DC. Oh, we're already flagged, man. They they take notes and. Yeah, know. we already know, but we know. in America. Yeah, so if they're doing it, say the the cause is. They're tired of, I don't know, they don't want forced vaccinations. Mm -hmm. So they hit every Best Buy across America, synchronized, suicide vest, blah, blah, blah. That's going to make more of an impact than they try to blow up the Pentagon. Well, what do you, what would you, yeah, and I get that, but what, I don't think their objectives would be met by that. It would bring a lot of awareness to it, but it ain't, it's not like, the feds are going because one they don't negotiate with terrorists it's not going to say okay let's stop let's stop mm -hmm. vaccination because they're, they're they're blowing up best buys and stuff like that that ain't gonna stop now if it was say it was like pharmacies or something like that 
and it was like that scared people from going in then yeah maybe that would be uh effective that way but it wouldn't like it wouldn't stop it wouldn't stop policy yeah and another thing too is you're going to lose they say when you lose the support of the people it's like it's very hard to to take power and that's kind of the point you kind of highlighted what i was trying to get to maybe Mm -hmm. um was policy terrorism for the most part is a extreme response to non-effective policy for people interesting you could i i believe you could apply that that directly to um the revolutionary war okay. and the result of non-effective policy for the people right like the whole yes. no taxation without representation and what else were they pissed pissed off about in the colonies but it was policy it was all these uh taxes and, and, and other things that that were added on to there and it was, it was poor policy and, and resorted to that well um, yeah like I, this that's all i wanted to kind of flesh out a little bit because when i hear terrorism i don't think of it like i would say i used to in the in the air force you know when we we're in i think of it more now being out for a while understanding social dis- differences mm-hmm. cultures being the travel being a lot more aware having more access to information I look at it more as extreme grievances. Like it's it's fucked up. Don't get me wrong, but that's basically what it is. Like, yo, we don't have clean running water. You occupying our country. We tell our leaders to get y'all the hell up out of here. They're scared to do it because y'all got all these backdoor deals. Mm. Fuck, we gonna get y'all out of here somehow. This is our home. Y'all not doing what you're supposed to do as our elected officials. So we gotta make something shake. And I. And like again, I I say I agree with you. It's a matter of perspective. Yeah. If you're fighting the power for human rights and they don't want to give that to you, they're going to slap that label on you. It's uh, IG dipping. Yeah, no, that's IG um, Compton veterans joined real quick. Shout out to y'all. I like what y'all doing out there in Compton. They do a lot of like uh, great programs out there socially. Cleaning up their neighborhoods. I think they do toy drives, food stuff. They look do a little bit of everything. So shout out to y'all, salute the service. Um, yeah, I think my IG is gonna cut off at some point. I don't know. Are we at an hour yet? Um, we're over an hour, but I mean, like, oh, it's still going. Looks like. Um, all right. Um, so enough on that. Uh, are you? Let's take a light little detour. Okay. Looking forward to the holidays this year. Um, the last yeah, left, the, I guess the holidays could... are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. We get it knocked out. Christmas is for kids, you know, and make it happen. What about you? Um, so far, I, I gotta admit, I'm not really a holiday person except for my birthday, Cinco de Mayo. You know, Taco Tuesdays. Yeah, you know. So, uh, other than that, so far, so good. I mean, I have really no expectations in the holidays for me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't have no kids, not married. So, it doesn't affect me as much. Um, one thing I can say for Christmas, at least, I like seeing the little kids enjoy, like, toys and gifts and stuff. Like, that part I like to see. Like, people 
get gifts that they need too. That's a big That's thing true. I like seeing. Um, I just like seeing that stuff. I'm looking forward to NBA coming back. I know I'm greedy and they just played, but I'm I'm hyped about that. So, um, and then New Year's Eve, I think I'm excited for that in the sense that this has been a very interesting year. And yeah, as you're trying to wrap this thing up, right? <laughs> yeah, like yo, let's let's get this going. What's up, Rye? Shout out to you. So, what are what your plans? What are your plans for New Year's Eve? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I'll be honest. Like, no I'm just curious what a lot of people are going to do because typically it's Where's like, I don't know how they're going to do Times Square because that place is packed and at the butt. Dude, uh, I can see, honestly, such that, that's such a tradition. They're going to socially dis, they're going to do something where it still can happen. I'm sure. I can see them doing it like streaming on live and have like maybe a thousand people there mm -hmm. and then have it have it on like every channel like every year it's the ball drops on every channel anyway so I see them going more that route what happened with the Thanksgiving parade in New York did that go on the Macy's I did not uh I didn't even check that out I didn't check either I, I don't know what happened so whatever that was like that's probably what the ball drop is going to be like in New York um, just I mean, a little side detour. Twenty has <laughs> uh, been a weird. Uh, it's been a weird year, but yeah, I'm, I too am ready to wrap this thing up. <laughs> Twenty one has to offer. Level up. Um, let's talk about this Oregon governor. Let's talk about her real quick. Is she the one who is encouraging citizens to uh, tell on one another? Yeah, uh, Oregon governor tells residents to call cops on people violating COVID restrictions. This is coming from Fox News. Mm. Not biased. We like to get our sources from everywhere, so we just letting y'all know that up front. But um, I mean, it's not uncommon. Yeah. This was occurring in New York City, so I, I wouldn't be surprised. So I want to see the penalties, though. Um, Remember, this is in quadruple six too. They were going to give incentives. I think they had incentives baked in. Like if you inform on your neighbor if they're not mm -hmm. doing X, Y, and Z, then you would get cash benefits or some something and like. That. I said when they when you know when people need the money, they're going to be like all for it. They don't go door to door, and um, I don't know. It's like it was. It's getting to the point where I'm concerned where people are going to be like. Oh, I heard him coughing. I heard him coughing yeah. a couple times. You, you may want to go check on uh But it seems like we're on the verge of 1984. Type yeah. Of, uh, stuff. Um, Compton Veterans on IG said that could be very dangerous. Yeah, we totally agree with that precedent mm -hmm. being set. Not a good thing. Um, violators could face up to 30 days in jail, up to $1,250 in fines, or both. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm trying to see any other. I'm curious the incentives for the people who report. I don't see that. I'd be really curious to see like what the benefits of say you call in on your neighbor. Hey, they're not practicing social distancing. Probably giving you five hundred out of that twelve. Yeah, something like what? What's the deal? Oh, okay. So Oregon, even though you are very progressive on uh, decriminalizing hard drugs and all that kind of stuff, you failed on this one. Come on, man, don't be doing that. And um, so let me let me let me say this. 
Okay, go ahead. Or ask this rather. If the fatality rate was 5%, let's boost it up to 10%. Okay. Would these measures be accepted and would you encourage, say you are governor of Florida. Okay. Would you be encouraging, uh, would you be encouraging citizens to do that if the fatality rates were higher? Nah, bro. I, I'm in the gunshine state. Mm-mm. Yeah. You know that's gonna make it worse, if anything. Because the thing is, there there has been the speculation that our freedoms is what will kill us. Is that <laughs> Americans are gonna be like, nah, we're not doing that shit. No, we're free. Blah blah blah. Take uh, Michigan, for instance. Mm-hmm. We're not doing that shit. If this thing were worse. And the mm-hmm. fatality rate, I dare say it would be just our own attitude and our entitlement to freedoms that would probably do us in. But currently in the current state that we're in, 99.9% recovery rate. No, I wouldn't. It would not be a hard push to uh, in, enforce these regulations. Um, Compton Veteran says, sounds like an excuse to be involved in private citizens' lives. 100%. Oh, you already see that but um, I think that's what we're heading towards is the end of privacy. Yeah, we're fighting for privacy pretty much daily between mm-hmm. internet privacy, health privacy, as we were just discussing. Like, man, just anything. You but really... I really think we kind of forfeited our internet privacy with all these applications. Yeah. Like, give them the rights to look through your pictures. Not just that picture, all your pictures. Yeah, that privacy is gone. All your all your contacts, like we have no privacy on these things, man. And then you know Alexa's listening, Siri's listening. What's yeah. the that Android? Uh, your uh, Android? Google, yeah, Google's listening. Yeah, you call them a uh, Bigsby or something. Is that? Oh what yeah, Android? Bigsby, yeah, Bigsby, yeah. They're, they're all listening and, and taking data, so there's no, it's no more privacy. But this is it, man. The 2020 is the age of silicon. All right, let's talk about Big Pharma. Let's do it. Uh, Oxycontin maker Purdue Pharma pleads guilty to criminal charges. Ooh, they admit guilt. They say criminal charges? Yeah. They made a civil suit. This is the real deal. So they pled guilty to criminal charges over the handling of its addictive prescription painkiller oxycodone, capping a deal with the federal prosecutors to resolve an investigation into the drug maker's role in the U.S., opioid crisis i found so much irony in this shit right now you know what i mean um let's see so what happens to a corporation when they're slapped with criminal charges are there any yeah like do they let's see obviously they got to pay money um separate 225 million dollar civil penalty allegedly causing false alarms for oxycodone to be made to the government health care programs such as medicare mm-hmm. so that's kind of cool they're sending it to like medicare like our social programs for our country that's how I um, levying taxes and putting it back into those but wow. yeah um that's actually a good idea that that might be a great idea of 
innovative justice. So just that aspect, right? So I'm thinking like the Rust Belt, like Appalachia, like all these places like this, mm -hmm. right? All these rundown places in urban centers, all these pharmaceutical companies that get sued or whatever, all that money should go back to rebuilding those dilapidated areas, revitalizing, creating low income or affordable housing. Like that should be where all that money goes back to. At least take a taste from it. You know? Yeah. And I'll um, it towards that. I agree. That's a great. Yeah, idea. even infrastructure like repair roads, potholes, put up LED lights on the streets, like create parks made out of recycled materials. Like it's endless possibilities with that, man. Like, wow. Why didn't we think it? I just thought about that as I read that one line. Um, like I, I am curious where it goes, where it would be going, if not um, programs. Oh, okay. So it's saying Purdue's plea deal carries more than $5.5 billion in penalties, which most will go to unpaid. Um, I'm just kind of skimming through this. Y'all bear with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, 3.5 billion criminal fine is set to be considered along trillions of dollars in unsecured claims as part of Purdue's bankruptcy proceedings. So they, it sounds like they're going bankrupt too. Um, sentence, a sentencing imposing those penalties is set to come around the time Purdue receives court approval for a bankruptcy reorganization. Wow. So I see a bunch of money flying out of here. Um, they said the company reaped more than $30 billion from sales in oxycodone over the years. Uh, since 99, 450,000 people have died in the United States from opioid related overdoses, according to U.S. data. So we got this from Reuters, okay, uh, news source, just so you guys know. Um, so it looks like class action, maybe thousands of lawsuits. That's where all this money is going to, too. All the people that have lawsuits. Um, so it looks like bankruptcy. They're paying out a lot of lawsuit money. They're sending some of it to Medicare and they're going bankrupt. But bankrupt doesn't mean really out of business. It's just basically giving a reset button to a company or restructuring or making it smaller. Okay. I mean, I mean, if you really kind of just break down the basics, and then they'll probably get absorbed by some other pharma company or something. Anyway, that's what I would assume. So, or sell off their IP or something, sell off their yeah. or something like that, and still make money off of that. Um, real quick, Compton veterans. It had only been a huge pharma court back in the day during the crack pandemic instead of the government a lot of families and cities would be thriving today facts hmm. facts and they do the work at Compton veterans they do that work on the ground i watched them so yeah 100 percent. they know what they're talking about um what do you think cam of all that just your overall view of it i don't think that is um five billion I don't think that's anywhere near um, the, the appropriate amount they should be paying. Like, um, it's it be, but granted, I know they're they're going bankrupt and 
at the silver lining is that there's some sort of win from it because we still present day these these pharmaceutical big pharma has it has hooks in the white house mm-hmm. so again i am emphatic about how they have this no liability for the vaccines i'm emphatic about when they can just lawfully sell these drugs that say hey side effects could be suicidal thoughts and death like what disease is worse than death that you need to take this drug and it's like they can do it lawfully but big pharma has so much power so much hooks in government that they vilify and demonize a harmless plant a plant cannabis plant that hasn't killed anyone but threatens their uh, it, it threatens their their whole industry and again for any type of action to come to a a, a pharma giant like Purdue they could they could have paid more money but that something resulted from it I mean uh, I still consider that a win yeah I think and it sucks because you do like I'm, I'm torn on just a part of it not totally mm-hmm. you do need pharmaceutical companies obviously to advance medicine that's part of advancing medicine at the same time they've been running wild as hell for years yes and it's like about time like yo we got to put a stop to yo nah you can't be doing that these american citizens <laughs> like these are your family members your neighbors your friends like what the hell um compton veteran says true point that big pharma's influence in the white house definitely um oh we already know you know we know <laughs> so we on the same page we tracking um like i said when they face them penalties that should go all the way back that should spread across the nation they should have like a fund, a revitalization fund for the U.S., for Main Street America, urban centers, rural centers, everything. Boom. As soon as they get hit the little lawsuits, this is where all this is going. Boom, 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 you yeah. see where that money's going. And I think, um, you know, taxpaying Americans need that transparency too. Yeah. So absolutely. We would like to see where our, our money is going and, and a real breakdown of it but yeah man like i said that we got any type of victory from that and that they're holding these uh these people accountable is i think that's a, it's a great start i want to talk about these uh zombie minks real quick though okay so this is usa today headline reads dead minks infected with a mutated form of covid19 rise from graves after mass culling well, this was pretty interesting as uh, the headline caught my attention because I made that call that COVID would mutate and produce zombies like early on in the day. Well, I'm, let me just go through this real quick. So minks infected with a mutated strain of COVID-19 in Denmark appear to be rising from the dead, igniting a national frenzy and calls from local officials to cremate the mink carcasses. While the site itself is certainly terrifying for the residents of West Jutland, a region of the country grappling with confirmed COVID-19 cases connected to the mink, 
there is likely a scientific explanation for the zombie-like reemergence from their graves. A Danish police spokesman, Thomas Christian, told a state broadcaster that gases form while the body decays underground, according to the Guardian. In this way, in the worst cases, the minks get pushed out of the ground, Christian said. Mm -hmm. have uh, the nightmarish sight. So, the skinny of it is what happened. They had a bunch of minks. Because even cats can test positive for COVID-19, believe it or not. And minks too, evidently. But they had this mutated strain, sort of like, I guess they were euthanized or killed, put in mass graves. Like, when... That's where you get mink coats and all that shit from. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what they're for. But they look like weasels and stuff. But like, the bodies were in mass graves, but they were shallow mass graves. The gases were bloating the bodies. So these minks were like coming up out of the dirt and like moving around. So from the gases of decomposition. So it's not quite Resident Evil just yet, but it was a catchy headline. It got my attention. Uh, I'm actually <laughs> glad like it's this and not real zombies. I was just kind of trying to look up what, uh, what's up, Jojo Turkey? What was it Jojo Vit Turkey? Naba, um, what was I about to say? I was looking at what mink's purpose is in nature. I was trying to figure that out. Like, what are they useful for? Um, what do you mean? Like, it's all like, right, like so, you know, like sharks eat, you know, like dead whales or whatever. They'll like chew them. It's like they're a garbage disposal. Oh, okay. Like, or shrimp. They eat the bottom of the ocean or whatever. They do their thing down there. Like, they kind of clean and sweep and whatever. Like, what are minks roles like that? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, what is their purpose? What did you come with? What did you stumble upon? That's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> they're like, like they're, to me, they, they remind me of, like, ferrets or, like, weasels. So yeah. like Maybe they kill, like, smaller rodents and... Okay, hold on. Let's see. I think I might have found it real quick. Uh, Talking to my Turkish friends here. Okay. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. I'm trying to find what do they do. I see a website. I'm just trying to find. I think they're endangered too. Um. Uh, I'm trying to see. Trying to see. Okay. Doesn't really specify. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna spend too much time on that. But they have a purpose. I just don't see it under all this right now. So. Old things have a purpose. Yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm like, what are their purpose? Like squirrels, like, like, what are their purpose? You know, like, I know, like, uh, I think dragonflies eat mosquitoes. You know what I'm saying? Like, they have yeah. a purpose. Bats eat, uh, like, a, a million mosquitoes. Uh, yeah. Something ridiculous like that. Um, I, um, I was going to say, I got the story with Donald Trump. He says he will leave the White House if Electoral College votes for Joe Biden. Okay. And I've heard all this rhetoric before, but what was most, uh, the biggest fact takeaway that I took from it is that 
the Electoral College does not vote on the president until December 14th. Mm-hmm. I was under the impression like this thing happened overnight. These guys do that and bada boom, bada bang, you're like that's the president. Mm-hmm. Like, I was having that conversation with my colleague who's saying like nothing is official. Only the media has announced the winner. You know what I'm saying? It's like the because we're in this blessed republic, the electoral college decides that on December 14th. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how it goes. I'm pretty sure they're going to vote in favor of the people. But history has shown us this was not always the case. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, I just didn't know they did it so late. Did you know that? No, not until you mentioned that. But yeah, I think that's going to be interesting to see uh, the, the outcomes for that. But it also sent me down the rabbit hole thinking like, how, how are these people chosen? <laughs> and can they be bought? Or just said, can they be bought? Like bought? Like you buying something? Yeah. Or just rented? Rented for, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Um, I guess my question leads to this. Like, I think PA, your home state, blocked the electoral judge. I think they blocked... From the Supreme. It was like, yeah, nah, you good. Like, Biden got this. Mm-hmm. Um, Hold on, but no, wait, wait, wait. What does that mean, though? Because the Electoral College still has to vote. Are they still tallying votes or they're voting on it? That's what I'm confused about now that you bring that up. Are they still like, because I think it's like, isn't the vote up to like 300 and something to 200 and something electoral wise? So, hold on. My understanding is like you count the, um, you count the real ballots, paper, mail and what have you. Yeah. When does, oh wow. So I didn't even have to do it. I just put when does, and then it popped up electoral college folks. Thanks. So. Okay. Verify news news about when does electoral uh, electoral college vote? Can Congress reject electoral college votes? So there's one article. Mm-hmm. When do electoral college votes needs to be in? Okay, so let's look at Snopes. So election day is only one point in the process of the electoral college, which decides okay. to win which decides who wins a U.S. presidential race. Interesting. The article is... No, I don't care about that. So here we go. So, is there a deadline by which the Electoral College must officially have all its votes in? Election day is only one point in the process of the Electoral College which decides who wins the presidential race. Yes. After the polls close, states begin to count and certify popular votes, results according to their prospective rules. So, federal law then requires governors to prepare as soon as, oh, messed me up, this pop up, as soon as practical, uh, practicable, official certificates to report the popular votes in the state. These documents, often signed by governors, must carry the seal of the state. One copy is sent to the archivist of the United States. Okay, and then next, the electoral college electors in each state don't vote until December 14th. Wow. This mm. is like, this is news to me. Like, 
So the electoral the electors' votes typically align with the popular vote in each state. But not all states require the votes cast by the electors to mirror the popular vote. Certificates recording the electoral vote results in each state must be received by the president of the Senate and the archivist no later than December 23rd. Wow, the eve before Christmas Eve. So here's the kicker. The official results of the electoral votes are sent to the new elected Congress, which is set to meet in joint session on January 6, 2021, mm. to announce the results. This is, yo, I mean, this is really fascinating, man. Like, I had the impression it was just like, yo, we vote. Mm-hmm. On uh, what, the third, bing, boom, it's done. Oh, you know, in this case, it was a couple of days. But in all actuality, there should be no victory dance until, well, damn, now it's like <laughs> January 6th, 2021. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, well, the chances are so unlikely. We're still in the game, CJ. Um, I am really, I'm really curious to see what this administration does over the next four years. And I'm also curious to see who runs in the next presidential election. Mm. And I want to see if the American citizens keep up this pressure on elected officials during this administration too. Are they going to be just as critical? Are they going to keep these uh, elected officials accountable? Are they going to vote out who shouldn't be in? I think the the right is going to put a lot of pressure on the left if they obtain office. Mm-hmm. And um, you already know vice versa. Like, if the, the right holds office, you know, the left is going to continue their relentless uh, news. Yeah, home. but... I- I'm 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 more of the independents, the Green Parties, the Libertarians, the the non-party affiliate affiliated groups. That's more what I'm talking about. Okay. We know the right and the left are gonna do their thing. We know what they're gonna do. I'm talking about those people in the middle. Interesting. I'm curious about that. Are they gonna keep up the same pressure? That's what's yeah. been kind of swirling around in my head. As an independent, I'm gonna keep that pressure up. Oh, absolutely! Like I'm, I've already, I think, tagged Joe Biden and Kamala. Like, yo, we on your ass too. <laughs> I think, I think, I think I said something to that. Effect. I forgot what it was. I, I tagged him not too long ago. I forgot. But to, and everyone seems to have that. Like everything's smooth sailing under Democrats, and it's like, man, when you really think about it. 2008 was a hard time. Granted, the Democrats party did not cause that, but like, <laughs> there's some hard times underneath them. And, you know, we need to hold people accountable. And maybe that's what it is. Look at how this next administration handles the next four years. And then just really consider third party. Because let's be real. People who vote Democrat are not going to vote 
Republican just to punish the, the Democratic Party or vice versa. So you need to look into uh, some additional placeholders and do the whole third party route. I want to see what changes to strengthening voting and upgrade voting will take place during the next four years too. If this administration is serious about the future and all this kind of stuff, and I'm really curious to see, like, are we going to have online voting by the time the next election comes around or will it be close to happening? It's just a matter of. So you already know Trump's pushing the whole narrative with mail-in voting and the fraud. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of the right people having faith that it can be done securely online and it's like votes ballots being found in the mail and i'm sorry in the garbage like this is evidence why that type of thing has failed you know particularly the mail-in ones that are found in the garbage but again like encumbrances of people in social distancing it's more evidence why we need it to be done digitally like uncle sam don't play with with his money but he moves trillions across the internet. So I dare say he trusts that, you know, but. I'm, I will tell you this, this full disclosure, my voting experiences this year, mm -hmm. I would say in person was good. I felt like it was pretty secure. People following protocol. Um, Mail-in, I was feeling like probably 50-50 on when I mailed it in, I'm like, are they really gonna mail my ballot? Like I was more in that mindset. It was weird because I trust the post postal service. I still trust them. Okay. What I didn't trust was maybe necessarily the people receiving the mail when I dropped my ballot off, if that makes sense. It was really tricky. It was a really torturing feeling. It's like, ah, I know I voted, but would my vote count? But the thing that gave me some comfort talking about the online was I got online confirmation that my vote was counted and received. So that gave me a lot of comfort seeing the faith of the postal system and also elements of what online voting would look like. Again, it's going to take some um, a, a development of a proof of concept and, you know, some security tests. It can be done. It's uh, just getting the, the right people and, and, and showing them. Because the benefits are, we already listed it. It's like, you don't have to, while it should be a holiday, for the people who are essential, they don't have to disrupt their workflow to go vote. You know, you don't have to get up early to go vote or, or any disruptions with the shifts. So bing, boom, right on your mobile phone. And then Cameron Ra, 2024, it's done. But like, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't know, Upgrade America. Like, really check out the book. There's some great ideas and we need them in these days to come. Mm -hmm. But uh, what else we got on, on, on here? That's really about it, man. Um, anything else you want to add? That's all I got. Uh, oh, well, I did want to bring up something else. Um, 
I do want to see the results of the census that was taken online. That would give us a barometer of what voting online would look like. Interesting. Because they did they did via paper, they did it through mail, mm -hmm. they did it online, and then they did it in person. So you had three ways to do the census. So I'm curious to see the results and the effectiveness of having three options on how to uh, do your census. So that is something we have to bring up probably in one of these other episodes. There's um, there's a whole rumor about, you know, Biden leading by like 80 million votes or something. Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't know. There's, I really believe in the power of technology. And, um, have a, just like PRP dealing with nuclear weapons, have a two person concept of operating on this system continuously. You know, have a million eyes on it. You know, but um, it's got to be done in by 2024. Like, and COVID was a wake up call for that. Yeah, um, I want to. I guess. Yeah, I want to briefly discuss the the Tyson fight. Okay, go for it. So it was like, didn't really start watching it. There are some uh, lightweights. I really didn't uh, see too many uh, much of that. There's another weight class that uh, the guy's name is Baudu Jack. Mm -hmm. Really great fighter. He fought an army veteran, infantry, oh. 11 Bravo guy. And um, he wasn't, I forget his name, but he didn't do too good. But Jack, his, his hands was, he was very fast, very disciplined fighter stuck to the fundamentals no showboating anything like that and he did he put on a really great show so after that who fought there's a youtube star again the name escapes me oh uh, jake paul was it jake paul or something yeah, yeah jake paul i believe his name he fought another guy named nate i forget his name hey robinson yeah he used to play in the nba for years he played all the everywhere he played multiple different sports but it's like he should have trained a little bit harder for that fight like thing is height has an advantage even if you're a short fighter it has an advantage but the advantage is in the inside mm -hmm. i think he his flaw was he was trying to punch his way inside and he couldn't beat the other guy's reach jake because mm -hmm. jake had his arms were so long so he was just getting shut down every time and he got knocked out on like the second round yeah, I saw that. Like, grill, just boom, and then just ate some punches and got in the inside. He would have been within his reach, you know, and just he could have ate his body up, some body shots, stuff like that. But I mean, that was entertaining. But the Mike Tyson fight was wow. Tyson's fifty-four, and the way he was flying across the ring was like, how do you say to quote him, magnificent. <laughs> you know, it was like I was so impressed with his stamina, his speed, the way he was bobbing and weaving was just something from a from a gladiator movie. Roy Jones Jr. On the other hand, I appreciate his sportsmanship and uh, him participating, but yeah, he was not. Uh, he, <laughs> I mean, um, he and he was not in his prime. He was not in his prime. I dare say that Mike held some punches 
on him and they emphasized that it was an exhibition match. It wasn't for a title, any championship belt. It was for fun, for charity, and things of that nature. So to some extent, it was entertainment. And that's what they did. They put on a very entertaining show and a very entertaining fight. And I enjoyed it. Like, And I, and I encouraged Mike to, to do some more stuff like that. It was uh, it was really great. Because I'm thinking from a, from a business perspective, because they asked him, like, yo, you want to go back and, and fight in the ring? Mike was like, nah, because he's thinking like, because if he's organizing this, he's getting a way bigger chunk of the pie, you know, promotions and all that than um, traditional fighting. But yo, I applaud Mike. He's a man right now. Like, it was a really great show. But did you catch any of it? Nah, I have to watch it now. I was um, on the road actually coming back from South Florida, visiting family. Um, so... What I was gonna say is I pitched an idea similar to what that was, what you just described, mm -hmm. but I put a twist on it. Have everyday citizens from different occupations fight each other in the ring. The winner gets retired. The mm -hmm. the prize winnings would they would get retired tax enough, free enough to enough money to where they would they could live. Retired, more or less. Yeah, I like that. I would and, and, and uh, I was trying to figure out what the compensation for the loser would be, but um, something like good, you know what I'm saying? Because you're putting yourself out there. And then I put these matchups on Twitter. I just did like a thought exercise. I was thinking of like, this would be pay-per-view TV. So I was like, a plumber versus like, I don't know, a cafeteria cook. Like no fight experience, nothing like that. Just these different occupational matchups. It's just off of matchups. And then you would figure out the sex and gender and all that, but- How would you link, how would you, you need some sort of app or something, but like, would, would we want strangers to fight each other? Or would you yeah, want yeah, it'll be strangers. Like, it's, it's you're not gonna have time to train, none of that. Like, you're gonna, you're gonna get picked. You're gonna get flown out to the location, pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna fight, like you're gonna sign waivers, all that. Make sure you don't have no crazy health. Let's like get pay per view out of it. If we wanted to do that, how would we? Uh, how would we set this up? Because I think that's a new thing, and that's what I, I, I enjoy from a technical aspect is the streaming aspect. Like sports streaming is the next wave. Yeah. But it's like if we have our own channel with fights, and you know, you're charging a dollar per fight, you know, for a little main event. It's, I don't know, something to consider. But I like your angle with it. People would yeah. really get off and watch an amateurs, you know, try and knock they, each other's teeth up. Yeah, um, real quick, Compton Veterans, appreciate you joining. Thanks for the uh, input. Um, keep doing the great work y'all doing for America. Salute. Appreciate y'all. Thanks for joining the program. Yeah, what's up, man? So now I said someone is going to get killed without training. <laughs> And I That's the whole point. Like, you don't see a fatality. <laughs> nah, you do like, you know, maybe three rounds, some yeah. three to five rounds, maybe three, since you're not going to be training. Three, three, uh, then, three two minute rounds. Yeah. For an untrained uh, person. And then, you know, headgear, mouthpiece, and then you go at it. Like, you're fighting for retirement. Like, so how do, you raise that, how, how do you raise that capital? I don't know. That's the thing. Oh, uh, well, let me shut down this live. All right. Peace, uh, IG. But I like the idea. And I'm thinking um, 
I want to make some uh, MMA sports. I have an idea for one that I've been working on. I'm not going to disclose it on live and on our beloved podcast, but I'm going to work with some of my MMA buddies, maybe shoot a pilot after I'm done shooting a documentary and among other things. But yeah, it's gonna um, it's gonna be great. Yeah, I told I told the homie. Um, I guess we'll talk a little more offline, but it's just something I've been thinking about. I'm like, yo, that'll be must see TV, yo. So here's the thing. I'm very confident we could facilitate that. Minus the, we'll pay for your retirement. But I'm very confident that we could facilitate people coming together and doing a little, uh, you know, a little, little fight. It's a matter of getting the paperwork, one, so no one gets sued. And then, um, you know, just getting networks, getting people to, to network and, you know, make it happen. But I think that'd be dope. Yeah, because I was thinking like uh, a post office, like clerk and like a DMV clerk fighting it out. Like I want the different occupations because I think that adds an element of, oh, damn, I know this motherfucker be stressed out. They're going to whoop that ass. But you like, oh, I don't know. This motherfucker stressed out, too. But the like, only thing is you're gonna, how are you going to stop the guys to train from just mopping the floor with the, with the Amazon? That's the thing, like, that would be the key to it, because I want it to be as... Nah, crap, I don't like But you'd have to, like, uh, how do you say, find out their skill level. Yeah, we would have to, you know, do that part, um, figure that part out, but I guess, well, let's talk offline. <laughs> I mean, it's people are already going to hear it, but... It's something to consider, but, yo, I'm telling you, there's money to be made with it. I do believe there's an article Mike Tyson was saying, like, he could have quadrupled the, the earnings with a bare knuckle, a bare knuckle fight. But it's like, I don't want to do. Nice, said pick them at random. That yeah, that's cool. what that would be part of it. Picking them at random. That's so a whole. Bare knuckle. Nah. Nah, nah. You want gloves, headgear, because we want them to be all right. Like, because we know they're not going to have any training. We're going to have medical professionals. Cut me all this stuff, you know, like a little bit of coaching in the corner, like stuff like that, just basics. That's what was funny though during the fight, man. Was uh, Jack, Badu Jack's uh, his coach in, in the corner, was just talking mad smack. Uh, was like the commentary is hilarious. He's like, yo, he don't want no more. He don't want, he, he's gonna give up. Like, yo, he's just talking mad smack on him. That's hilarious. But yeah, sports streaming is the future, man. Particularly with fights, I would love to have my own channel with with that. Particularly, you know, work with you on that venture that you're talking about. Like, that's where it's at, bro. But um, so that can't train beforehand. Yeah, we'd have to do an assessment on skill. Be like, yo, how many years of boxing do you have? Because it definitely makes a, it definitely makes a difference. Yeah, and that'll be like live reality tv like unscripted like and then you have real everyday citizens fighting for retirement like who doesn't want to see somebody win and get retired like that's dope it's just a matter of what does that cost them yeah i mean we can figure that part out you know now like retirement because here's the thing we would have to net if it costs a million dollars to retire someone we'd have to net more than a million Mm-hmm. Like, I know you're gonna want to taste. I'm, I'm gonna want to taste. Yeah, you yeah. know what? To be honest, like 
long as I get a decent cut, I would be just happy to retire people. Like, I would be so excited. Like, you're free now. Yeah, like, think about that. Or maybe the loser, we pay off their highest debt. That'll be their, um... That. That'll be their, uh... Their fucking reward. Pay off their highest debt. Right there. It would have to be like a death match. Well, an almost death match. Because, you know, we wouldn't be paying the loser stuff. Dead. But something that would really make people want to pay that much. Because if you're doing the math, you probably got to pay 100 a head. So, I don't know. But we'll figure out all the numbers a bit later. But I think that's something that people would like to see. Like... I'm not the biggest sports fan, but watching a good fight that will that's captivating to me. So I'm sure there's a, a lot of people who would love to uh, to see, you know, some amateurs not it was good seeing uh with Nate and Jake, like they're not professional fighters, but it was still somewhat entertaining to watch undisciplined people fight. Like it's, it's pretty cool. But yeah, that's all I got, man. You know? Had my Sunday run day. Okay. Really Exercising early. Yeah, that was the big one. Pulling. Yeah. yeah. yeah you know, day, day up and down, but it's still um, it's still doing its thing. Okay. And, uh, an analyst from Citibank who's predicting that Bitcoin may be hitting what sixty one thousand mm-hmm. by the end of two thousand and twenty one. So right now it's it's about eighteen stacks for one BTC. But I mean, just throwing that out there by a wee little bit at a time, and it'll eventually add up and gain gain so much value. And we're talking about this is something that was once eight cents for one. It is now eighteen thousand. That's incredible growth to me, and uh, worth uh, taking a peek on. We'll, we gotta do another episode on crypto, go further and involve, and um, you know, so discuss that later. But y'all, everybody, thanks for watching. Always love what we doing on here. Upgrade America, still at it. About to be the end of season two. Very yeah. Sure. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. It's been a year, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Duty Call was like a blink of an eye. We were doing a recap of 2019, and here we are. We about to wrap this one up too. But yo, bro, it's been a pleasure in the journey, man. Blessings, yo. Thanks for listening. We appreciate all the support. Shout out to India and Greece, our latest two upgraders internationally that joined the the, uh, Upgrade America tribe. Appreciate y'all. Hopefully we open next year. We can start doing this from locations of where our fans are, you know, our listeners or whatnot, like actually being here. Looking looking forward to... uh traveling overseas again you know yeah really looking forward to oh i can't wait upgrade world coming soon yeah upgrade global yeah it's coming no we'll catch you on the next episode yo it's been a pleasure facebook catch y'all later facebook all righty peace